Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. And coming up in August, they're going to be running their Black Friday in August sale. So check them out on social media, follow along with them. I think Instagram is probably the best place to check that out. And they've got someone new in charge of um, all their media staffers, all the uh, podcasts and all of that. And that guy is Nate Sellers. Uh, You may know him as Average Jack Archery. Um, So he's going to be coordinating all of this and really excited to be working with Nate. Uh, I think I mentioned that maybe on the beginning of the last podcast, but I've been talking with him. And I think for this quarter, uh, as we go into the colder seasons here up at least in the north this this is going to be given away at the end of the third quarter so beginning of october um we're going to go with the elkins vest which is that mid-weight vest uh for those cool mornings um kind of like warmer afternoon sits with the casper base layers which are the thicker uh, base layers that have the heat boost built right in and then their brand new ames gloves that are specifically designed for bow hunters they've got that um you know three fingers covered the index finger is open and the thumb so if you're a guy that likes to play on your phone you can do that or if you need to uh, use your release or you need just a little bit better uh, tactility um those are 
killer gloves. So um, that's what we're going to be giving away for this quarter three. But uh, in the meantime, go over, uh, check out the site, check out the sale. And uh, they have that system builder too. So you can put in, you know, what hunt you're going on, what kind of clothing you're looking for, and it will uh, point you in the direction that you need to go. So uh, that being said, really excited for this upcoming season. It's becoming real now. We're past the 4th of July. We're done with the last show of the season, at least for us. So now it's all whitetail all the time. We're not doing any um, elk hunts or anything like that. Frank Frank and Ernie are going to, to Colorado. Um, John doesn't look like he's going to be done uh, with his house even by the beginning of our bow season. Um, but we're getting into the final planning stages of our Patreon hunt. And from the Mobile Hunter Expo, I spoke with the guys at Trophy Line. Weston, uh, such a great guy, sent us a huge package. Uh, so tons of stuff to be given away at the, the Patreon hunt. Really looking forward um, to that. You know, these guys are coming from, you know, Texas, Rhode Island, New York, um, and want to make sure uh, that they have a great experience. But also, you know, like I said, anybody who supports this show, we want to make sure that it's passed along to the the listeners and, and the people, uh, you know, the patrons that do support the show. And right now, Redline, they also have a sale going on, 25% off. You can just use code uh, REDLINEFRIEND and save 20, 25% on any of the stuff they've got. Um, really, I can't recommend their quivers enough. Um, I did get one of the Torch Bow sites. I really want to check that out. Uh, I think it solves some of the problems that I have with some of um, – some of the sites that are out there as far as like site lights. Um, I know different states have different rules for electronics, etc. Um, but being able to see those pins in all, you know, indoor and outdoor, I think is, is pretty important. So uh, really looking forward to checking that out and, you know, all the new stuff, you know, Genesis 3d with their uh, camera arm, picked that up. I got a new fourth arrow fluid head, just all the stuff we're looking forward to for this season talk a lot about a lot of the sponsors on this podcast sport spartan forge in particular um, that new lidar is pretty slick you got to check that out um, go to spartanforge.ai you can use code bowhunter to save 25 percent over there as well um, you know latitude's got their new sticks coming out um, they are shipping yes it's unfortunate that the dealers got to put in their orders first before the pre-order um, and but they are starting to land. There's lots of people that are getting them. Um, so if you ordered some, they're on the way. But uh, it's just unfortunate the way that it works. It, it just happened. Um, lucky Buck, we put more Lucky Buck out up in the UP. Um, I got some pictures I'm going to share today, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this. Um, the deer that Mark's got coming in in Missouri. And, oh, my God, these deer are incredible and we got some decent bucks on camera up in the up as well um so pretty excited about that obviously zinger kanadi those guys just did a podcast with them good friends you know go support them just try them you know for the 20 bucks or whatever it costs to throw uh, those on the back of your arrows for the ease of use uh super cool super easy um and then big shot targets one of the things shooting this trad bow with the big shot targets is that deer target is based on the size of like a 110 pound deer. So it's like you're shooting at a real deer, like getting the size, understanding 
the distance, like what the deer looks like at 30 yards, at 20 yards, at 10 yards, at five yards. Um, super cool thing um, with them at Big Shot, Shot Targets. And you can save 10% over there uh, by using code bowhunter as well. Um, but this podcast is a good friend of mine, uh, Joe Davis. He's one of the Patreons. He's one of the guys that killed at the hunt. Um, he was with us in PA uh, with the Latitude guys, with the Zinger guys. Um host the generations of hunt podcast just did a podcast with the dude the guys from latitude the guys that are editing and producing grit and uh, definitely go check that one out it it gives a lot of insight on how they're doing that over there Uh, but this podcast we talk a little bit about mobile hunting on public land we talk about the expo we talk about woodsmanship kind of goes all over the place but i think you guys are really going to enjoy it um you know obviously you can check out our patreon patreon dot com forward slash but wonder chronicles podcast you can check it out on links on the website uh on instagram any of the links that we've got um you can find our patreon uh but if patreon's not for you not a big deal we appreciate everybody that listens just tell somebody about the episode tell somebody about one of the episodes (laughs) tell us what we can do better if you think we suck um but anyways i know you're gonna enjoy the episode thanks for listening All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And tonight I'm with Joe Davis, host of the Generations to Hunt podcast. Uh, He's uh, a Patreon uh, fellow podcast host, and uh, I'd like to think that um, he's a friend, but, you know, sometimes uh, your friends can be like frenemies, and maybe that's what I am to him. I've definitely influenced him negatively in, in some ways. Uh, as well as uh, the Patreon group has definitely brought out Drew uh, Joe's true colors. So I wanna we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but uh, he was at the Mobile Hunters Expo. Um, we were also together at the uh, Great American Outdoors show. So I want to talk a little bit about experiences from the the Mobile Hunters Expo, but. Uh, th- there's a couple things I want to talk about beforehand. So, uh, how are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. It was that an accurate description of our relationship. I, I think so. It's uh, mostly just business. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't have no friendships as a uh, friends. Don't make it, friends do what we did. <laughs> and, and if you know anything about shows, you don't talk about shows <laughs> after you leave the show. So, but yeah, man, it, it's, it was, it, it's always been a good friendship and I, I really thank you for, uh, every word of wisdom that you've gave, you gave me. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing like from the, I, I want to get into your like hunting background because, um, you're one of these guys that, you know, has, uh, l- leased property, uh, leased property in the past as food plots, have some private land that you hunt. And I want to know, like, first of all, like your hunting style and how you came up, but then how does the mobile hunting thing um, play into that? Because generally speaking, and I mean, I was just up north and we're going to have a podcast coming out about that here in the next couple of weeks um, and did some habitat improvements, um, had uh, Jared from the Habitat podcast come up and go over, uh, walk the property and kind of see look through the 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 lens of the habitat guy or like how you'd set up a property 
and it was really weird for me to put on a different hat of like not being like hunting mobile everywhere, every time, you know, like, Oh, this is where you would set up your stand. This is how you would access it like every single time. And I guess you kind of do that a little bit, you know, when you find a good spot and you say, okay, this is how I'm going to access it. That's, that's the tree I hunt. This is why, but I feel like on private land or like some of that stuff, it's a little bit more set in stone where it's like, why would you want to hunt mobile or like go through the process of like setting up your sticks and all that shit every single time, you know? So like, how did you grow up hunting and then what is it evolved into? So I grew up in a small farming community and like you kind of just say, Hey, I'm going out hunting this weekend. Like your buddies would say that. And then you're like, Oh, well, I'm with it. So I, like, I got my hunter education when I was like 13 and my dad took me out a couple of times, but like, like I love my dad to death, but he wasn't really a, a true, you know, he was a traditional hunter. I guess you would say, just take me out and just like, whatever you look back, you're like, wow, we weren't ever going to see anything. Or, but, uh, like I kind of progressed, went out a couple of times here, there on opening day and all that. And then I would go up to the camp with my dad and all that. But, uh, I moved away. I moved to a bigger city. I moved out to Grand Rapids, started my career and all that. And I kind of lost hunting for a little bit. And, uh, I kind of drifted away from my dad since we didn't have that common thing. And when I got in my, uh, maybe early twenties, you know, like 22, 23, uh, I, I really noticed that my dad was, you know, getting of age and I didn't really want to lose that connection with them because, uh, sometimes are really special and I didn't want to lose them. So, uh, I say, Hey, I want to go start going to deer camp again. So I started going to deer camp with them again. And then I did the, you know, the gun, then I got a crossbow and then, uh, we're not friends anymore. Uh, I know that's what, well, I was living in the city. That's what you do. You get a crossbow and all that. So I shot, you know, some deer with the crossbow and the gun that season. And I just like, well, I got money. I'm going to go buy a bow. And then it kind of just was a full blown addiction after that. I had a bow. I remember my dad saying this when I was younger, when he said, you can't pull if, when you pull this bow back, you can start bow hunting. And like, it was like 60 pounds and I was like 13 and there's no way I could pull it back. I was a little strong kid, but then it went just full of bone addiction, dude. I just bow hunting like i almost gave up the gun i was like no and then the last two seasons before this one i I didn't even shoot a gun during season i was just full blown there so and then uh to go into like my styles you know i i we i take i share at least my brother-in-law and his uh son and we don't shoot does on it and then we just shoot basically pope and young is our uh our, our minimum probably right now. And, and that's, and I've eaten tags for the last two years, chasing giants. So, and I have no problem doing that. I'll do that all over again. But this last couple of years, I, or last year in the most general, I, uh, I kind of found the greater side of hunting. And it's not about the trophy anymore. It's about the camaraderie. So, uh, I think like once I'm gone, no one's going to care about my taxidermy. No one cares about that. So the memories of getting that tax in Jeremy is going to be a lot more better than the size of that, that deer to me. So uh, how do you guys, like, how did you 
when you got into the bow hunting and it was a full blown addiction, like what was your hunting style? Like, cause you can be, I don't know why, but you could be addicted to hunting and be like, I'm going to go to this ladder stand every single day and watch these deer in this wide open cornfield. And it's like the coolest thing ever. Or you can be like obsessed about it. You could be like map scouting every piece of public land, every piece of water access, every, and I think that speaks more to like our listeners, right? Like right. is a mix of somewhere in there, like gravitating from the ladder stand to, you know, not full blown like Jake Bush status where you're 300 days in the woods or whatever. But like, where were you at? Like, how did that progression go? So like, let me like disclose this. Like I am not a big buck killer or nothing like that. I like, I'm just kind of in my mindset and where I'm at is where I'm at and where you're going to be at is different than me. So, but, uh, we started like up North, we we're hunting big woods. It was big woods, public land stuff. So there was no fields around me and all that. And then back home, it was all fields. And so it was hard to, what was working down here didn't work up there. So, like I learned from basically being in big woods to kind of go in, go in to the the woods more, and then then hunting the edges. But uh, we did have a couple, uh, you know, double sit stands and all that. But uh, I bought a climber right off the rip, right when I got my bow, and that's how I kind of went in there, and that's how I started. And then I bought a a mobile platform at XOP and kind of went on there, and then I just slowly lost weight, you know financially got better support and bought a lighter stand and all that so uh last year i think it on without uh, presets and all that i probably sat maybe three presets and probably 30 to 50 mobile sets on on uh on lease or public land so and when you're on your lease like how does that play out like for the like mobile hunting because most of the time i mean i guess how big is your lease so it's kind of a unique scenario like it's like 170 acres but that sounds awesome but like 120 of it you can't even hunt it's just all open bean or cornfield that is on a, a main road and all that you can't hunt that so we have like 20 20 uh acres of woods and that's split up between like a 16 acre and then a four acre strip on the other side of the road and all that. So, and that one's mostly all, uh, cedar, like a little suit, not a cedar swamp, but it's just like small cedar saplings, basically. I mean, the biggest tree that I sat over there that I could fit in was no bigger than, um, I would say a basketball pole you know, seven inches around, maybe six inches around, not even that. So, but that's my point. Like, yeah. so on, on a property like that, I mean, I, I think like my parents have five acres and depending on how it lays out the way that you say it, it seems like it would be like your general five acre parcel, just three of them mm -hmm. stacked end to end. Right. So you can see from one side to the other, like how I, There's got to be only one or two spots where the deer move through there. Is it just well, <laughs> I can tell you this, that uh, my 
my public or my private piece has more pressure than probably any public in my county. Because I, if I should show you a map, there's I think there's 21 stands or uh, blinds and touching my our property. Tw- 21 and less than 20 odd acres. It's 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 crazy. So that's why you have to be mobile, man. They're pushing. They come in opening day. The the deer are changing. Ne- never stop changing, dude. The, there is no pattern to them. Deer don't do like what people see. Like you rattle at these deer, they're gone. They're they know that trick. So these deer are really heavily pressured. Uh, uh, it's it's just a like that's why you have to be mobile, and you get these generation old does and all that, and uh, they know where all these presets are. So it, you you have to be my brother in law. He's a little less mobile than me. And he does decent, but uh, he is a gun and crossbow only hunter. So he uh, has a little bit of advantage for taking them out, but uh, he mostly gets them on guns. So being just a bow hunter on these leases, I think uh, in that area, I'm the only one that's shooting with a vertical bow. I don't think I, any of my neighbors shoot with a vertical bow. So. It, you kind of have to work it in your advantage of that's why. And that's why I stay so mobile in that area because I can go out and I can see where I know where these guys are being sitting. So I'm going to play the opposite of where they're sitting and all that. So uh, I guess, and and that's why I wanted to talk about this a little bit because yeah. you have a much different perspective than I do. Um, and I guess it's a little bit the same. Like when I walk onto our property in the UP, like there is, there's one really good spot that's set up and there's another one that's okay. But for the most part, I'm going to bring all my stuff and I'm going to go set up where I think the deer are. And it's just kind of like where people don't want to go. Um, but ours is all thick, nasty cedar swamp. So it's not necessarily a pressure game as much as it is like, Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. Vitalize Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalize Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load, to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring-summer food plot mix, and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix, each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less Roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize Seed. Make biology work for you. Order now at VitalizeSeed.com. The deer have all this property to go to like let's go where the deer are rather than where it's convenient for us right but for you and i've had this conversation with other people um my cousin's husband being one of them hunts the same kind of scenario as you do it's these little wood chunks with all this farmland around and he was always like man i'd sit there and this these bucks would move Pass me over there, like just out of range or in the thick stuff. And I'm like, well, why don't you just move over there? Well, then I got to 
take all my stuff. And I'm like, dude, I, I, I think that's probably what you need to do. So from, from your perspective, like how does mobile hunting help guys on these tracks of, of private land? Cause I, I guess I always think of it and we always hear about saddle hunting and mobile hunting being for the guys that got to go in deep. They got to go in two miles. They, they want to cut down their, you know, weight and make things more efficient. So how does that translate to like the mobile hunters expo, like to all that gear? Uh, I think it's a great format for people just cause uh, every sit's a new sit. And I, like I said, the properties uh evolving and you know changing every day and that's what i really like took apart from the year prior just because i did do a lot of presets or and i did a couple little mobile sets and i noticed my mobile sets were drastically better and i had to implement that because i there's i'm hunting a, a target buck and this he's so educated because uh of the the pressure and all that and uh you gotta I, like you gotta evolve and uh, like if you what's the definition of a sanity doing the same thing and expecting a different result like you, you keep doing the same thing and you don't get the results you want and you keep trying it why why are you doing that so i had to do something and you know mobile hunting was like the craze or whatever but i just thought it was evolving as a hunter just changing your style you know everything works you know Hey, I sit on a blind too sometimes, but it's, it's kind of where you have to do to, to get on some of these big deer. I mean, these big pressure deer and these small, small hunted pressure zones are just really difficult. And, and we have a high buck to doe ratio and just like our rut activity is non-existent. So everybody said, well, you maybe get them during the rut. It doesn't happen like that here. And I, it might just be a unique partial, you know, in our zone or something. I might have just a unique scenario, but I definitely think it's helped me out being a hundred, a hundred times more than just having a thousand acre lot and I can find any deer because that's how I, I ultimately got them deer and unknown territory up at your camp last year is I was using hunting pressure to my advantage. And I think that's the best thing. If you can't predict the deer, at least you can predict people because they're going to do the same thing and over and over again. So you you brought up the Patreon hunt, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna say I, yep. I said you know when it, Joe as a hunter, like I was thinking about this when you were talking about your brother in law and how he hunts. Like I think if your brother in law maybe would just call you a bitch, you'd go ahead yeah. and uh, and. <laughs> and go kill something because that's what happened on this hunt. Nobody was seeing any deer and Joe goes out and he's passing deer left and right. Every sit he's like, yeah, I saw a couple. I just couldn't shoot them. They were, it was a doe with a little one and the guys were, were razzing on him. And, and the last night he's the one that came back with the, with the doe family group. He shot the mom and the turned out to be a button buck, but you know, and he just said, <laughs> You guys called me a bitch, and Mama didn't raise no bitch. So here you go. <laughs> I tagged it, tagged the same as any other doe, so I don't in my eyes. But I, I mean, that's like that's the be beautiful thing about camaraderie is, man. You can like 
I was going up there. I was like, oh, I ain't going to shoot this. I don't, I'm not going to be that guy. But then you kind of go up there and you just kind of talk to people and all that. And you're just like, who gives if it's legal? Let's let's do it. Like, let's just have fun with it. And and then I felt bad because I was seeing stuff and passing stuff and no one's like even seeing it. I thought I was the first day back. I was like, oh, there's gonna be like 60 on the wall or on the bowl. And I no no one even seen anything. I think I was like, oh, so. Yeah. So so Joe wanted to make sure that that didn't happen and and i think you're right i think what you said earlier was that, like that was like the memories like those deer are are going to be uh gone like long gone the, maybe there may be photos or whatever but that story that uh, you know those relationships everything that was built was you know worth it in spades for mm-hmm. like just being that guy, like, <coughs> excuse me. Um, everybody probably did, you know, give you a little crap when it was a button buck. And probably when you got it back, you were like, oops. But at the same time, it was a riot when you got back to camp. So, it, like, what does it really matter at that point? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you don't have people making fun of you or anything, or razzing you i don't think they're really your friends then because and that's a beauty thing about this like I, I out of that camp i i don't even know if i met anyone in person besides you before that camp and i only met you the one time well besides tack of like 30 seconds but uh i think besides that i never met them and by the time i left there i had at least a dozen phone numbers that i could call anytime and we could share any moment and have laughs and talk for 30, 20 minutes on the phone. No problem. And that was, what was fun is, you know, when we got to the mobile hunters expo, like on Saturday, like the amount of people that were there, like from that hunt. And it was like, it was like you were back in camp again. And, and that's, you know, um, uh, Jacob Emery put together a little video from the expo. And it's like, uh, if you go on his Instagram, I think it's like DO3 Outdoors or something like that. But he put together like a little reel and he just went around and interviewed like Dan and Greg Staggs and Rendell and, you know, a, a bunch of other people, Lane. And basically that's what everybody said. They were like, we don't care about the deer. We don't care about like the gear is cool, but this is like the place where you can go and meet your friends that you maybe you've only met online. Maybe you've only seen like one time a year and it just rekindles like all of that stuff. And like, I I was, you know, tried to impart that upon people. Like when that, like, that's the way that I feel about the total archery challenge. Like we go up there and it's the same thing. It's like deer camp in July or June. And this was like, you know, the, the next iteration of that. And so with this, we talked about it a little bit earlier is we kind of get jaded. Like when we go to these places, because we kind of like know, or have talked to like all these personalities. So it's like, you know, just seeing your friends again, or like meeting up with your, you know, guys. And we've seen all the gear because we're so close to all of it, but you talked about it on your podcast uh, that you did with the uh, videographers for Latitude 
on grit. Um, and you were talking about like the caliber of the show for people who would listen to either one of our podcasts. Like what was your take on the show itself? I personally think it was one of the best shows in Michigan. And I've been to some, some dinkers in Michigan. I don't know how they call them outdoor expo or deer Turkey expo and all that. So I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Like, it, I think it's great. I really, like, if you remove the people that you want to talk to, like, besides product standpoint, it's probably the best show and michigan and and i don't know how the tri-state area is but i think it's gonna give them a run for their money for uh just just for the mass quantity of people that you can run into and actually put hands on stuff and and actually dive and ask questions to somebody because retailers they basically get the box and they kind of can go from there that's what they can tell you but the manufacturers are to go way deeper into some of these items and all that and and then some manufacturer or some shops only carry you know one set of sticks and one set of brand of saddles well you got five saddles to stand, try from i mean you you never sat in one you can go sit in five in one sitting and no no by the end of the day you don't have to pull the trigger that day either so yeah i i think the it was a very very targeted show and i think you know it'll be interesting to see but they're they only do them in like a couple of shows a year so like last year was ohio and i don't know if they did a second one but they did one this year in tennessee and then one up here in michigan so i think next year they're doing one like in pa because i heard i saw something where they were looking for um, speakers who, you know, are known killers, like from, from that area. And that was cool. The seminars, um, the, the people that are talking, the, the Q and a type stuff with all these guys, like it's great where you can listen to a podcast, but you don't always get your questions answered or you, you feel like some things like get glossed over that you want more, uh, information about, and you just don't have the ability to just reach out to those guys and ask them. And for the most part, these guys are, you know, extremely accessible at these shows. So, you know, tons and tons of guys that I've had on the podcast were, were there, um, you know, one in just about every booth. So the amount of knowledge that's in that room and the amount of like people in like the industry that I think we're drawn to, um, is really there. And I think, you know, it could be expanded upon a little bit where there's no, like, it's great that it was all the mobile hunting stuff. Um, but I think one thing, like, so if you go through, when you talk about gear, like, okay, so the saddle stuff, stuff you can't see everywhere, 
stuff you want to compare side by side. Um, last year he had Huntworth in Ohio, and this year Ozio Gear. But I don't think that there was any other like clothing companies. So it's cool that you those are companies that you can't see probably like anywhere else without like trying to order it online, but it would be nice to see some of that stuff. And then some of like the pack manufacturers, like, I mean, they have them at the tax and it's probably a little bit more beneficial for them there because of the Western hunting and the amount of like total archery challenges that there are in the West um, for, you know, Kafaru or EXO or any of these, you know, companies to be there. Uh, but I'd like to see some of some of that stuff, like some of the the stuff where you can't just go to your local store and 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 get it, and and maybe some of the stuff you can't really just easily buy off Amazon and then ship back. You know, uh, that that's what I would like to see. I think expanded upon. Um, but what were some of the things at the show that like surprised you, or that you were like impressed with that you weren't expecting? I think like the biggest thing was just like, like if you just say show in general, just like the actual like staffing and all that. I mean, everybody there that was, you know, part of that system was pretty well informed, I think, and all that. So it was a a great, like, like I got media passes and I've communicated before that. So it was just from a, a vendor or media person. It was great. They had communication the whole time. I can't imagine some of these people, you know, you're not even knowing where you're going to be because, like, they were showing me where I park and all this stuff. So that was, like, the great side of that. And then just as, like, a consumer side, I think it was really just, like, having, like, they, I don't know if they didn't do this on purpose, but they didn't have gutter salesmen there. They didn't have window glass and washing stations there. Like, they kept it all pretty well hunting driven outdoor driven and all that so that was a great thing because like i said in the pre like the uh i don't want to call it outdoor show in michigan you get there and literally there's one booth of that the rest are african safaris and all the stuff i'm not knocking that but that's not what i want to see i don't want to see that and then i don't want to spend 50 dollars on a bag of beef jerky and that's all you see at these shows so the, the the select when i was going through the map and all that it was really cool that they made it a point to be all you know driven and it was super cool that they're mostly all these ones are small businesses and, and that's like these all all these guys are hustling man and that, i have mad respect for them and it's not like they were down the road some of these people drove a long ways to you know talk some product and talk some gear TX5 out of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, from a product standpoint, though, like, what was it? What was one thing that you were glad that you were able to get your hands on or try um, that you probably wouldn't have? I guess maybe, maybe we'll even yeah. say, like, what did you buy there? What did I buy there? I didn't buy a Damascus knife, if that's what you're <laughs> asking. But, uh, uh, I bought some like Ader stuff and uh, I think that I did buy some other stuff, but it was mostly just like just accessories because I'm pretty well dialed what I'm going to work for me. I don't need no really new, uh, no, uh, 
whistles and bells and whistles and stuff. So it was just like the small stuff, just like, like just fine tuning my pack and all that stuff and saddle and all that. That was great because there's a lot of people you can go through there and a lot of people have their personal packs on there and like am steel guy and all these other guys, you can just see these little things that just can take up so much, you know, easier for packability and all that stuff. So that was mostly just accessories and all that. And, uh, like just, I felt the latitude sticks and all that, but that was just like a reassurance. I was going out there and I, I tried some other people's sticks and I kind of just was like, all right, this is what I'm going to go with this year. It's just and all that. And I did get some stealth. You can never get enough stealth strip tape. So, so for me, like getting to look at all the stuff, it's like, Oh, this, this, this. So the, uh, Timberwolf Supply Co. They have this like energy drink stuff. That's like this mushroom stuff. And uh, there was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to try that. Like, and I thought it was coffee. Cause that's like what's marketed. It's like all oh, this, you know, mushroom coffee, blah, blah, blah. Well, one of the days I may have, one of the evenings I may have had a few sodas and uh, the morning came awful quickly, and I was like, Ugh. "And I and Corey knows those guys. So I guess they're out of Cincinnati. Um, Logan, he runs the Run and Gun podcast, um, and I didn't catch the other guy's name. I'm sorry, um, but he's like, "Here, try one of these. It'll help you out." So I mixed it up, drank it, and it was it's like a pineapple flavor, and it was really good. Like it, it was a little chunky. Like it didn't totally mix in all the way so that was like one negative about it but i th- i think it helped me it's got a little bit of caffeine in it a little bit of you know good stuff i guess i don't know i didn't really look too hard at it i was like will it help my hangover yes okay we'll give it a whirl and uh that was good so that was something that i was surprised about i would never um have checked that stuff out otherwise and then i made the mistake of trying one of those stealth e-bikes. And I knew like from Tim Clark and him using uh, his bike at the Patreon hunt and then him getting one of the stealth bikes and talking about how great it was, these single speed mid drive bikes. Um, And I've talked with Dieter. He was on the podcast and I've talked with him about the bikes and things. Um, But man, like that's cool. Like now I'm just trying to figure out like, what I'm going to have to do to get one of those. Like it, it's, it's on my list of things. Um, super cool. Um, did you, did you happen to ride one of those or have you messed with e-bikes I, before? I, I, I did ride that one. Uh, I did. Uh, I don't know what one I rode itself. I think it was like the price point was like the, their baser model, but it had the rack in the back that could pull the trailer kind of thing. Yep. And I did ride it. Yeah. It was, like I haven't really, I had some like cheap Chinese ones I've driven and all that. This is way better, I think. And then the direct drive so that derailer doesn't get messed up in like corn stock and all that. It, it definitely would be something that you, de- uh, like don't bring your credit card with that. Cause like I ever, I wrote it, I was like, wow, this is really nice. But, uh, I got some more things on my to do list where I can 
drop that money on that. So, but dude, I can see how they would just be so like, like, would it make me a better hunter? Maybe I think I I I think you could say it would definitely enhance your uh, mobility and all that. But it is a huge setback. But hey, man, if somebody doesn't get a new bow, I mean, you have a five-year-old bow, you don't need a new bow. That's like half the price of one of them. So I don't, I don't, I don't see the difference if you just splurge on one of them one year. And it's not like it's gonna break it. And you don't get, you don't need a new e-bike every year. So right. But I just mean like I was like, oh, how you know how cool could these be? Like, are they really that? Um, and and like how they work with like. I figured it was just like, oh, you just do a throttle, but it's just like the pedal assist. You're just going, and then all of a sudden, it's just freaking flying. And yeah, you're up to you're, twenty. You're not you're not going that fast, but it seems like it's like effortless. And I was riding it was a mistake. You're right. Hmm. <laughs> you know, because it's like now now I feel like I really need to get one of those. Um. The Spartan Forge, did you check that out or get to go see the new LIDAR I, I, and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I kind of was uh, like backseat. What, he was like showing somebody else. And it's, I, I adapted Spartan Forge into my arsenal from the last hunt, the, the Patreon hunt. And I've been going kind of in there. I do have like Onyx for like kind of more out west stuff. And I think think this year i'll probably be more spartan forged than anything so well i remember we were like getting food or whatever and you were telling somebody else and i don't know if it was spartan forge or what it was but you were like you were like i've now like i used to just do all the e-scouting on my phone and now i do it on the computer and it's like, oh yeah I'll, like literally a, a night and day difference being able to look at it like to scale. And like when I, like I, I said it on here before, but there was one spot down in Ohio that Jake Bush was talking about. And when I looked at it on the map and especially when I looked at it, like in person, like it shapes up one way, like you think, you know what it looks like. And then when you peel all that back and you're just looking at the topo or whatever, and you can put it in 3d mode. And it's like, now it stands out like a sore thumb. You're like, Oh, Okay, now I know why he was talking about that because like on on your phone it's hard to see, it's hard to do. And like with those 3D modes and now like with that lidar with those like Johnny was explaining like some of his spots and he was showing me like the like little bits of micro terrain that you can't just see or pick up and it's kind of like the whatever they call it for you fishing guys the like side scanning or whatever, like hmm. where you can just really like see what the whole bottom of the ocean or the whole bottom of the lake looks like. You can see those like micro terrain features that these deer are using because that's what gives them the advantage where normally you maybe wouldn't see that, but yeah. Yeah. yeah like a huge thing, like, like uh, some of the flatter ag country that I come from, like, three foot in elevation change could be a huge, huge elevation change for this area. And they could, they'll take advantage of that. Mature deer will take advantage of just three foot of drop and Spartan Forge can definitely pick that out. And then with the new, all that you can tell from Oak flats from the leaves of the tree. I mean, just the like 
if you can just learn the leaves of trees, just like the quick basic of Michigan or whatever, wherever you're in, you can learn so much from just the, and, and you can take some boots off the ground or just go right to the Oak flats or, you know, some of our areas where we, some of the farmers take out all the mature trees, you know, they, 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 they force them. And then there's only so many Oaks. Well, if I didn't have such a small parcel, if I had a, maybe a larger parcels, I could just go and go, okay, there's two Oaks here, two Oaks here, two Oaks there, instead of just being all green patch from other previous, uh, scouting apps and all that. So that it, it is crazy that like that Onyx is, has literally, and other platforms have literally changed the game of of public and and all that. I, it's I, I screw trail cameras. Everybody's saying trail cameras are ruining everything, but I'm I'm not saying it's ruining it. But like I think that mobile app has killed more deer than a lot of other things. Oh yeah, it came out. Why do you think that is? I have my own opinions, but like, why do you, why it's, would you say that? Uh, a lot of people are scared to get lost. That's the biggest thing is a lot of people are scared to get lost in unknown terrain. Um, and that's like, I've been talking to a lot of people. Like I think for, if you're a newer hunter and like, I'm not saying I'm a super advanced woodsman, but if you learn woodsman before you actually try to learn deer studies and all that, you will become so much better at this because you don't have to worry about that because when that technology fails or something, you can you know where you're gonna be at, and then you just know what you need to find. You know what I mean? It's just uh, how many people can tell the difference between a red oak and white oak? I I it's got to be a small percentage. You know, I I don't want to take away from people. There's probably a lot of people screaming at me over in their car radio right now, but <laughs> I I there's a lot of people that out there that don't know the difference, and just I just think that would be a better beneficial to learning out how to find the how to find the best rup spots, uh, how to make a mock scrape and all that. Yeah, they're great tools, but I think learning the woods is going to be way better for you. You know, you put in unknown territories, and well, I'll use the Patreon hunt as last time. I had this oxbow, perfect oxbow. I think it would have been amazing all that. I get there, go up there. There's a bridge outing. I put all my eggs in basket in the oxbow. You go, what do you do now? I go, I just spent three, four weeks on this one spot and then all that. So what did I have to do? I had to go and learn. Like I, I could go the map, but I literally was like, I got to hunt an hour. So go to where you know where you're going to go and then to get your feet on the ground and learn to like, I can look at elevation change, but I can just know, okay, this drainage should go into a pie a pinch or something and all that. So, Yeah. And, and that's what I was going to say is that like, I think people were afraid to get lost, and they, it, but I also think the, how it's hurt is like, now you, there's all this information out there and now you have access to all of this, like right now. And everybody looks at those oxbows. Everybody looks at those like leeward facing points. They look at, you know, pinches and saddles and like all the stuff where now you listen to podcasts and they say, don't go to the obvious thing on the map. 
Like where before you'd be like, oh, it's so obvious. Like you just go there and that's where the deer are going to be. But you were looking at, uh, you know, like an atlas or you were looking at some sort of like USGI topo that you had to like go online and purchase or find, you know, for the area or a, a plot book to see what was public and what wasn't, especially like out of state. And now it's like everything is like at your fingertips. And you can go wherever you want. Like there, and I, I think that that's uh, where, in in some ways, you know, it is like a detrimental, I guess. But in reality, it's like extremely empowering. And so, for these guys that have the the apps. And they still hunt a hundred yards off the road or 200 yards off the road. Like I feel like those are the guys that need to like, like what you said, like do a little bit of woodsmanship, like figure out like how to really navigate with a compass or, um, you know, use like terrain features to travel and, and, you know, things like that. So for you, from when you say that, it's really easy to say like, Oh, just learn woodsmanship. Like how would you recommend people would do that? Like what, what, what's the, what's the way to do it? Well, number one thing, take a first aid class or not. That is the biggest thing I think people need to take advantage of. Take a first aid test and and then be equipped with a first aid uh, triage kit or anything. I think that is such a huge thing is, uh, is something happens and uh, it, it can happen quick. My brother-in-law lost a finger uh, coming down a tree stand. He got his ring snagged on a on a uh, climbing stick, and it, he jumped off the last step and got his ring stuck and it lost his finger. Luckily, he was only three hundred yards away from a a neighbor and all that, and could run to his door. If he was a two three miles back, that in a situation where that's when you start getting an infection it wasn't bleeding bleeding but uh stuff like that can happen instantaneously uh going out west i i know all it takes is one slip on a slea slea field and all that and it'll cut through your pants so quick you don't even understand like a, a razor knife and you go one of them and i think that's a great i, I know it's not the the a woodsmanship but I feel more confident going out in the woods knowing that I have a, uh, just a first aid kit or just a little, you know, I can make a tourniquet, but like just the knowledge of that, I think that's a huge thing, you know, cause these, you know, going two miles deep is a normal thing now. So, and how many times do you have self-service going back there? Zero. And, and, and then how many times do you tell people where you're going? Never. Cause you never tell people where you're going. So that's a big thing. So no, no, if you get put in a situation, you can handle it. And, and then I think like there is some survival class. I was a boy scout and an Eagle scout too. So like I learned that stuff before I was a hunter. So I think that was, it's hard for me to turn that off. So just reading, I think best thing would just be reading about it and like going from it. Like, don't go from a, as a hunting aspect of it. Just go as a as reading terrain. And I, I think, like, if you wanted to, like, go really deep into, like, trapping, the way 
trappers look at the land, that would be a great way to look at woodsmanship and all that. I think those guys have a great knowledge of how animals and all that don't pigeonhole yourself to whitetails because you know that's how it goes. But I know there's great classes, great uh, woodsmanship classes, and mostly more in northern Michigan because you kind of have ag down here. But maybe a weekend giveaway or something like that that would probably be a great thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like for me, the navigation part of it is like if you could if you could find someone that does like a navigation class. Like that would be, and one thing that I don't, I think I've talked about it on here maybe, but I I get so frustrated with any of the apps. It doesn't matter if it's Spartan Forge, Base Map, Onyx, and we've all dealt with it. It's like, it says you're going over here and then you start to track and like the track isn't going the way that it says you're facing and like you end up walking in circles or whatever. Um, have you experienced that? Uh, so out West, I personally didn't, I had a Garmin in reach with the Garmin maps on there, but, uh, a, a fellow podcaster from a big group, he was using, uh, Onyx, whatever app. I don't know that. And they were using the breadcrumbs on offline map and that offline map, you know, was 30 to 40 yards off well when you're trying to find a horse pass and 30 to 40 feet off and thick aspen you know trees and all that that could be a million you can't see it you can't you don't know where it is so that could be the survival i mean the difference between spending a night out on the mountain than that so and uh like in i in the whitetail woods i don't think i've most of all the train i've known i've can kind of backtrack myself and all that. I don't use track that much just going in there and stuff. So, but I mean, <laughs> I use track I, everywhere. Um, I, I'm really I, bad at like marking my waypoints though. And uh-huh. so I just have points everywhere, but I'm like, I don't know what this is. I don't know when I put it there. I don't know if it was an e-scout point, if it was a, like in the field point, like I need to step that up. But what I do when that happens to me, because it's, it happens to me a lot. And it's, it's different with the different apps, like how often, like base map was really bad. It was all like the arrow was always pointing like the opposite way. So like, I knew that if I turned my phone around 180 degrees, then it was pointing like the way, but that took me like 400 times of like going in the wrong direction. But what I'll do now is like, if that starts to happen to me, I'll stop. I forgot. I was just talking to somebody about this, about like like getting lost and not like lost. Like, you know where you're at, but you're just like, I know that this is not the right way. Like I know where I'm and I know where I'm at and I know I need to go that way, but I just can't do that. Um, wh- one way that I do that anyways, like if I'm good, well, I guess I do it at, at the end of this, but so I'll like, I'll say, okay, well I need to go to the Creek or like this Creek crossing, or this is a place that I know is that's in the direction that I'm going. That's not that far away. I'll either drop a pin right there, or if there's a pin already there, I'll click on that. And all these apps have the ability to, that says go to pin. So I'll click on go to pin and then I'll just follow that. But when I do that is this is how you do navigation, even with a compass, but you'll go that way. 
you look and say, okay, it says go, you know, south or wherever, wherever the arrow points, but then I'll pick a tree like 60 yards up there and I'll walk to that tree and then I'll do it again. So you're not just looking face down at your phone, just following that mindlessly. I'm stagnant. Uh, you know, I'm stationary. I look up and I say, go there, get to that point, reassess, make sure that I'm a look, make sure my breadcrumbs going in the right direction. I am indeed going where I need to go. And then I'll do that leapfrog, leapfrog until I get to like a known point where I know where I'm at and then I'll go. And if I, if it happens again, or if I'm like, okay, I know that I'm at the Creek, but I don't know exactly. Cause there's a, there's a spot where I've talked about it a lot, but I go through this cattail swamp. I get to this corner. I got to go through the cedar swamp to get to the Creek to go up this Ridge. And so it's just like, it's just a game of leapfrog for me. It's like, I need to go to the Creek. Okay. Now navigate to the corner. Okay. Navigate to the one lone cedar in the, middle of this cattail swamp and then I can figure out like where I'm going from there. But that's, what's helped me like so much. And that comes from, you know, regular map, like line of sight navigation where you're going from terrain feature to terrain feature and you, you have your azimuth and you say, okay, well, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. And like, to me that I think helps tremendously, not only like, from like a woodsmanship, but like from a confidence standpoint, like, cause it's real easy, like to get shook. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you're out there and it's like, it's like where you're like, God, I know that I'm here. And then you do that. Like you make like three circles and you end up in the same spot and you're like, you start to get like freaking out a little bit, you know? And I mean, yeah. I guess Mr. Eagle Scout, he doesn't have that issue. He's just like, well, I, I, I well, do the witch and stick and I find some water. I yeah. start a fire well, by rubbing twigs together and, you know. Like you said, like, if it's a bunch of lines on the map, like, if you can't read, you know, okay, I can tell the difference between this elevation and this elevation. There's going right there. And, you know, if you can't visually, because on some of the apps and all that you look at it it's all canopy you can't tell the difference if you when you're looking from an aerial view and it's not going to help you with there's no visual landmarks it's giving you it's just giving you you turn that topo on there if you know how to read that you go okay this is a this is a drainage going into a to a spine and then you physically you're going down this drainage let's just say your your marker ain't on and you're saying you're 30 feet over but you know you're in a drainage but it's showing you on a high point you obviously know that thing is not right. But if you can, you can, you're looking at it and go, all I see is a bunch of topo lines, then, then you're just screwed up. You're screwed. <laughs> Cause technology will fail and it, it happens. And I think that's what some of this stuff, like we were talking with other gear, sometimes we're overcomplicating stuff. We're putting too much moving parts and, you know, technology and all this other stuff in there. Like go back to the basics. I mean, Sometimes it's not what the coolest, most expensive, like, I don't, I don't even want to get, I was going to say, I rather go with a small business guy that I can have a relationship with than a big, big box store and all that. But that's just because we can build off of that. But, and then it's like, sometimes you just overcomplicate stuff and it just needs to go back to the basics. I think is, I just think, uh, 
dough in a can should come back and that's all people should use, man. <laughs> I think, you know, from that, like overcomplicating things, I think that that's one of the, maybe the, the difficulties of, of, uh, a show like that mobile hunters expo is because it's all so cool. Like I, I was having a conversation. We talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, before the podcast, but with a guy trying to get into saddle hunting, it's like, they reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, what do you think about sticks? What do you think about platforms? What do you think about saddles? And to be honest with you, like, I don't think that there's a bad saddle, um, except for Hawk. Um, but the rest of them, if you can get comfortable, you can get comfortable in any of them. You probably get comfortable in Hawk. You just might die. And I don't think anybody's ever died, but I mean, it's on some of them forms and you'll be really educated real quick. It's, uh, I don't know. And maybe it's just, maybe it's just me like being jaded, but it's not like I'm like, they're trying to take money from the little guy. Like, no, I don't think so. I think, I think they don't really care about their customers, but anyways, I think the platform things is about the same. I think, I think all platforms, like you can only make a platform, in a, uh, a handful of different ways. And we've, we've kind of seen those different ways. And until somebody really innovates, um, all the platforms are going to serve their purpose, but sticks on the other hand, like everybody wants to be the coolest, to be the lightest, to be the, the newest, the, and then everybody wants to buy them because of the marketing and then they want to bitch because it doesn't like meet up to whatever the marketing said. And I think that kind of goes into that overcomplicating thing. Like it doesn't matter. I think in this like Amazon esque world that we live in, we want to be able to order them today, have them tomorrow. And we want free returns for 30 days with our money back. We want to be able to try everything like immediately and send it back immediately. And with where we're at, at least at this point, and I think we're again in echo chamber, like everybody wants the newest, the latest, the greatest, but to your point about woodsmanship, like we don't want to be out in the woods. We want to, I, I love the podcast that I did with Cody rich and talking to him about gear where he says, that guys can't control the woods. They can't control the outcome, but they can control their gear. And so that's what they would rather focus on because they're going to be, you know, so locked in that they have the best so that they can have a big ego about having the best gear because they did all the research and they did all that. But if they spent half of that time in the woods, you know, they would have a much better experience. And I think that's how with, with all the gear and the mobile hunting stuff, I think that that's kind of how we overcomplicate it. Right. I mean, what do you see? I, I, I guarantee there's probably a dozen people I know personally that are going to go out this season with a lone wolf salt. I think that is, and the, the salt sticks 
and they will kill a monster and and that's that stuff has been out for what a decade at least and uh it's not about yes it's nice to shave off whatever on my back but do i need to shave off two pounds if i'm only going 200 300 yards into the, the woods i mean that's my personal i'm not picking i know that's my personal opinion or my personal scenario i'm only going 300 400 yards off the road on most of my leases like i can't go any deeper i got property lines and all that so i don't need to shave off all these ounces and all that so like am i gonna buy nice stuff probably yeah but it's not because i'm buying it because it's the latest greatest i'm on it to last you know i'm looking at warranties and all that and it's not about bells and whistles sometimes it's not about the cool you know this one can fold up to a, a pocket set a knife basically or whatever stick and I just want stuff that's going to last. Longevity is a huge thing with me. And uh, American-made, small business, and just a personal relationship. If I can call some of these companies and I call and I can talk to the person that actually designed this and go, yo, this is not working. Why Why is this on? Or this hitch is on your saddles or not right. And you can talk to somebody about that. That's a huge selling point to me. And and like then you go back to the the standpoint of people are just overcomplicating stuff it's just like man i i go i do a lot of tournament archery and i thought it was i need the the latest greatest sight i need the latest greatest bow i need all this stuff and i go out there and get destroyed every time i'm like what the hell why am i I just spent like four grand on this boat what the hell i go and i joined a club and i got this guy his bow probably like 600 bucks with everything on there smoked me by like 20 points and that's huge in archery world 20 points and uh he, he can just use what he has he doesn't need to buy grace new stuff he, he just knows his equipment and he can use it so if you can everybody can implement that not worry about oh well this one that came out with the latest greatest new sticks i need that well that's what the half these time people go in there they set up one time before they go in the woods and then they're dinking around with the new equipment every freaking time they go in the woods and then by time they get done with the season they're buying a new stick when they're just got comfortable with it now you know they're just crushing they're just crutching yourself i just i don't know and i'm just not a weight weenie man and some of these people are so worried about ounces it's just insane dude like just put the stuff on your back and find the deer man yeah i think i, I honestly think like the whole thing comes full circle to what you said earlier about like the inches and the taxidermy and like that is, I think what's most important, right? So Tim Clark goes out, kills a, you know, eight point you, you kill, you know, a family of deer. Uh, Josh kills a deer Jason kills a spike, you know, what, um, what, uh, bow was Tim shooting? You know, what, what sticks did Josh have? I couldn't tell you. Doesn't matter at all, you know, but it was all about the hunt and the fun Mm -hmm. and, you know, enjoying the woods and enjoying the time out there. And I think 
people argue so much about the gear, like you got the lone wolf guys, you got the tethered guys, you got the latitude guys, trophy line guys, you know, cruiser. Oh, it's the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. And you get these camps where it's just like, oh, you know, these people, oh, he just piles on. He only cares about this. And it's like, I bet you if you guys hunted together, you would have a ball, you know? We just want to make things. We we just want to have something to complain about. Yeah, that's all. Because you know, hunting season's only what sixty, seventy days a year. So the other three hundred days, like we have to have something to talk about, and we can't t- talk about like what we're doing right. We gotta complain about what what everything that we wish would happen, or what's wrong with this company or that company or. Oh God, let's not talk about broadheads, right? <laughs> like it's just <laughs> Yeah. I can tell you that my last season was unsuccessful and one hundred percent of none of it was equipment. It was nothing no equipment failed at all on me. It was all me. Me. I failed uh, to capture my goal. And I like you know, I'm not gonna say, Oh, I passed the ones that sh-. no. I, I'm chasing a different I was chasing something, but uh it was all me. It was, I can't blame no gear, no, no failure. I didn't put my knock underneath my D loop or anything like that, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but it, it was all me. So it, if I focused like, and like you said, like going back to the basics and worrying about just like what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and who I'm hanging out with. And I think that's, I think that's a great thing. And I think a lot of people will learn, like like I said about target archery, you're not gonna get a better archer unless you're hanging out with good archers. You want to f- be a better hunter? Go hang out with some. Go to a club. Go to an archery club. Just pick. Go to one of these shows. You meet somebody. I met William, dude. That's an awesome dude, man. He's a, he's a stud. That guy's a stud. And I was just talking with him for five minutes. I learned something new. You go to these shows like this, it, you'll meet people like that. And these guys were offering me to come hang out with them and doing all this stuff. And like, like five, 10 years ago, like if you, were, it was like a sacrilegious thing to even ask where you were hunting at. These guys were like, Hey man, you come out this Thanksgiving, man, I'll take you anywhere you want to go. We'll, we'll have a great time. And you just don't get that. And, and I just think the camaraderie is so much more important than these, these antlers and all that. And don't get me wrong. I'm still going to chase big deer and choose big deer. But I think there's more important things people have to worry about is, and all that. And like when we went and go chase my or get my deer out of the woods up that the hunt, like I've never laughed that hard from these guys. It was insane. I couldn't even gut a deer because I was laughing so hard. And that was the mo- one of the most important things. And that and I went out west on a horseback bear hunt and killing them two doe or button buck, whatever you want to call it, was way more funner in my eyes than that out west one. And I killed a bear out there too. And I, it was, that was a f- cool experience, but I had more fun in the woods laughing with them guys than going out there and doing that stuff. Yeah. And I, again, like go check out Jacob Emery's reel that he did and you'll see these names in the industry you know guys 
that you've watched their YouTube videos, you've listened to their podcast, you'd recognize them, you know, right off of the bat. And the, the answers are all basically what you just said. It's about the people and not about like gear inches or, or whatever. Um, so for you and like, for the listeners who aren't familiar with you, if they've made it this long, like your, your podcast, like, What's the basis of your podcast? So, like I said, I'm not like a Dan and Paul or Jake Bush or anything. I'm just, I'm just learning like you guys. Like I, I haven't, there is no golden key. There is no secret sauce that will make you successful. And, uh, I, I just kind of just go from there and pick people's brains and kind of just go and just have organic conversation. We don't really script, so script stuff and like kind of go from there we kind of just have an organic conversation and we're just kind of growing and uh i just think that i kind of missed out on hunting in my you know earlier years like i did it but i didn't really get into it and i think that you know i was kind of a lost kid in a sense and i think that if i want i if like I tell everybody, if I do a thousand episodes and I get one new person in the woods to fall in love, like I see the woods, then it's worth it to me. And that's all, that's my whole objective of the, the show. It's not to be, I don't want to do a podcast for a living. I don't want to, you know, I don't want sponsorships and all that. Like, the, uh, I mean, if they come, they come. I'm just saying, I'm not chasing that. I'm chasing the next story. Cause some of these guys, like you'll never ever know they were, huge great hunter you never know some of these guys just keep themselves so if i can pry them to come on my podcast and they just tell me a, a little bit about their world it's just, it's an awesome beautiful thing and, and and it's never too late to start hunting so if there's any new hunters or on the fence you don't have to go out there and spend a million dollars to go out there and do it like i'm not the okayest hunter like that that aspect of it but like you can get it done with the basics and, and I think the basics is the, all you really need to be honest. So like, don't let all these new bows and all that scare you and all that stuff, just get what works for you and just come on and evolve with us and just, we'll just go from there. So since John's not been around building this house uh, lately, I've been forgetting to ask this. What, what is your bow setup? Like, what are you shooting this year? So this year I'm actually going to be using this white bow. It's a target bow and it's a Matthews TRX 34. So, and then I'll be using the recurve too. And that's a elite origin. So I will kill a deer with this elite this year, the traditional bow. That'll be my first trad bow kill when I get it. But, but I will be a Matthews TRX 34 with, uh, ultra view sight and some deer cross archery arrows and with a triple broy mechanical broadhead and i'm only shooting 430 grains and that's all you need <laughs> can't change my mind bros. <laughs> well thanks so much for coming on here and 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 just kind of like recounting uh the expo and talking a little bit of gear and and deer hunting and and all of that um, you just talked about like your podcast and um, what uh, what what's the basis of it. Uh, so if people are trying to follow along with you and uh, th they want to hear uh, more from you in the podcast, like where can they find you? 
So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, basically every format. I haven't had a request that we don't play on yet. So basically anywhere you where you listen to a podcast and then every social media, we got a ticker talker. We got the Facebook. We got the Instagram. We even have a Twitter and that. But YouTube. We got a YouTube. It doesn't have a lot of long format stuff, but definitely go check that out. That's why I'm gonna be focused. This whole season will be more focused toward YouTube. But interaction, Instagram is my number one. If you guys wanna, if you guys want really want to contact me and complain about what I said on this podcast, go ahead and tell Adam first. But then just message me. <laughs> and that's a Generations the Hunt podcast. He's uh, terrible at that so yeah yeah i need to work on this podcast stuff that's why that's why you i'm here you're supposed to tell me teach me so uh but yeah i appreciate it man so we'll uh we'll wrap it up but thanks for coming on tonight thanks for having me no problem